Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My My Ship Ship Story. Story. (laughs) That was terrible. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast show. Today, I got to tell you, I'm super excited it's been a while since I've trying to get this guy on. His name is Levent. He was a comedy magician, juggler. Uh, but uh, before we get to Levent, let's check in with Brad and Eric and uh, see what's happening in their neck of the woods. Um, Eric, what's going on? <laughs> Pretty much the same, same old, same old. Closed the house today, wrote an offer on another house, walked into a very, very stinky house. I have a, a client that wants me to keep trying to find them homes to flip. So I go into the most disgusting homes that you can imagine. And it's like, you get home and all I want to do is go take a shower. Cause it's just gross in there. Are your, are your feet like sticking to the, the floor or the, um, there's been a few like that, but no, this one wasn't terrible. It was still smelly, but it wasn't awful, awful, awful. Ugh. But yeah, but I have plenty of, plenty of girls. This is one of the cheaper houses that I've ever seen in, in the Nashville area. It's on, it's listed for only 140,000, which wow. is like super, super cheap. So, <laughs> and I think it might be priced too high. That should tell you something, how bad that house is. <laughs> oh man. Ooh, that sounds, that sounds gnarly. Brad, what's happening? Speaking of real estate, my family has sold my grandparents' house they put it on the market and before they could get home, it was sold. It's yeah. that crazy. And so they're cleaning it out. So they said, Brad, come over and see if there's anything here that you want. And I come in and I'm looking around, they're showing me stuff and this, this and that. And I'm like, Hey, I'm dealing with all the crap that they left at the old house. So I don't need <laughs> any more of their crap. So I'm not really too much into this, but I look around and they're holding open a door and you know how much I love rocks. There's a big rock there. It's a petrified wood. It's a big piece of petrified wood. And I, I have admired this. Uh, Evidently my grandfather and I both had an affinity for rocks and he had this for such a long time. And I just remember this being around their house as a child. And I was just so delighted to see this holding a door open. And I'm like, I want that rock. And they're like, what? Everything in the house. You want everything in the house. And so rock. I got this yeah. rock and I'm man, I'm super stoked about it. I, I, I love it. So, but other than that, I'm really excited about our guest. I know he doesn't remember me at all. He, he used to come and hang out with me at the uh, purser's desk on the song of Norway back in uh, 91, 92, when I was doing nights on there. Of course, Jeff Kicek was around. Jeff was a lot more entertaining than I was. So, of war, but, uh, so does this wait? Okay. So now I got to ask again. So this was when your night shift, was this when you went, wrote the owl and the penis fingers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we'll yeah. To, Thanks we'll for bringing get, that up. We'll Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that. I, I want to hear about, I want to see this book. I want to read this book. No, no, you don't. No, <laughs> nobody wants, nobody, nobody needs to see it. But uh, anyway, I remember Levan a lot. I remember going to all the shows and I just remember being, Super delighted, so I'm I'm really stoked to have him on. Well, hey, let's let's move on and uh, welcome Levent to the show. He is going to be on Masters of Illusion coming on the CW Network this fall. Yeah, a couple of seasons back, I did it in. Well, I did it a couple of times. I did first time in 2008, and then a few years after that, and I did Penn and Telefoulos, But we shot it in Los Angeles in March 
and we did the, with the pandemic rules, which is a whole trippy thing to do in Hollywood. And uh, yeah. and it'll be in the, on the fall. And I, I shot a couple of segments. So it'll probably be either on several segments on one episode or at least split up across, you know, a couple episodes. Who knows? Awesome. No one knows anything. No, I know anything. Did you say, wait, did you did I hear with Song of America? Song of Norway. Oh, Song no, of Norway. Song so of I worked on Song of America. America? Do you remember the Song of America, the, the Royal Caribbean ship? That was the I last ship on, that I was on. Yeah, so I worked on Song of America in 91. Okay, Were you on board so, when they had the fire? Well, no, no, but I was not. But I, I remember the funny thing was that the sound and light booth on the, above their heads, they somehow got these masks, like the kind of masks you'd have on an airline that's going to crash, you know, the air mask on the string. Mm-hmm. So if the act sucked and they hit it, they pulled the string in the booth and the, and the, the oxygen. <laughs> I don't remember that. I, and I was a stage manager on the Song of America. Yeah, they, they had they, it right above the sound light booth, right above their heads. They had a little box with a string. You pulled it and the mask came down. That is that is too funny. Well, hey, let's jump on into uh and also I forgot to mention if you guys want to check out Levent, go to Leventmagic.com and check him out. He's also a vaudevillian historian, if I can remember that right. But uh, yeah, yeah. let's let's uh get in. Welcome Levent to the show and uh get in with some ship stories. But you know, first Levent, I have no idea what you I mean, I know you've been a magician for like 30 years or something, but um, give us your kind of backstory of uh, when you started. You know, I'm originally born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and I started doing magic in, in the mid 1970s, like 1975, Doug Henning was on Broadway and I was 10 years old. Started doing magic shows in 1975. I was a 10 year old kid. I did my first paid show when I was 11, you know, and, and I was a birthday party magician, basically, you know, and, and, and did that stuff in New York. And then when I wanted to do a sleight of hand deck, you might not know this, but there's a type of magic called manipulation. Manipulation means sleight of hand stage magic, where a guy makes cards appear and wears a yeah. tail, mysterious magic. And, and I, I, that's what I dreamt of doing. And so what happened was I, when I was 17 years old, I got, you know, right out of high school, I got into a show in Atlantic City. And I was, so I was, and so, so 17 to 18, 18 to 19, and into 20, and I was there a few years. And after that, you know, the show closed after a couple of years, and I went back to Brooklyn. I sent a videotape to an agent, and they said, hey, look, you know, do we, we book cruise lines, you know, why don't you do a ship? And it was a, it was a cruise ship that doesn't exist anymore for a cruise line that does not exist anymore. <laughs> and it was, have you ever heard of Home Lines, H-O-M-E, Home Lines? Anyone heard of that? Sounds vague. Yeah, that, they didn't stick around. They weren't around when we when we were right, there. Right. So 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 okay. So give you an example. I in 1985, I did their farewell cruise. Was that what? Did the mask come down? Is that was that why they they folded? <laughs> so, well, what they did was it was fascinating because they had it. They they started I think the 1950s, and they were very popular in the 1960s and 70s. And it was owned by an Italian family. And basically, you know, their their patriarch was into it. I think he passed away of cancer. And they just said, okay, let's sell the assets. And the family was not into it. But they had three ships that would sail out of New York City. I was a New Yorker. So I get on a cruise ship with my assistant and doing a magic act. And we're doing my sleight of hand act. And they told us to me to do two different 30-minute performances. And so I had two sleight of hand, really good sleight of hand acts and, and mediocre comedy magic. I was, I really didn't do much comedy magic at that point. And so 85, 
Um, I, you know, we get on the ship and it's an inside cabin in the back of the ship and they've been on a ship before in my life. And it's, it, this is an old school ship where the interior of the cabin was wood, like wood panel, like real wood paneling. Whoa. Today, for fireproofing, they make metal that looks like wood or plastic or wood, you know, these materials, composite materials. Back then it was wood. It was just a beautiful interior. And some idiot had stuck in the cab in, in like the rules, like little matchsticks and stuff. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So we, <laughs> went, we removed all the matchsticks and then the engine started. And the vibration <laughs> put the matchsticks to quiet the noise that the cabin was making in this standard cabin. I was like an idiot. I should have left it. So now I got to try to try to find the sweet spots to shut this cabin up because it's like the noisiest thing of real wood rattling and just hitting each other all the whole time. So we <laughs> do that, and and it was you know it's interesting. I mean this this cruise line was interesting in a couple of things. It was almost autonomous. These family was in Genoa. These ships were in America. And there was seemed to be no connection between the two. For instance, the the pursers and the engineers, whatever, they somehow decided to create some new passenger cabins. So they kicked a bunch of crew members out so they can double up. And they had created about 10 cabins using the carpenters on the ship. And they sold those cabins at the pier for cash for passengers and split the money amongst themselves wow. and the whole idea <laughs> going on the right? pursers were really devious even back then well it had to be the captain the hotel director and and the person's department you know it had to be yeah had to be it yeah it had to be a collaboration a collaboration yeah. where people are making extra cash and you know and it was that kind of but it was that kind of situation where if the home office found out they wouldn't care, you know. Well, oh, wow. They'd be well, like, save, save one of the rooms for me. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's like friendly. They know everybody. They call it's all Italians. They know, you know. It's just, it's just, it was just, it was just something that was done. And I remember going to the disco in the back, and there was a girl there with a cast on her, like a full leg cast, a redhead in a red dress, and she's at the disco in the back of the ship. And and I'm talking to the DJ, and I see her that night. And she's there, and and I see her. She's back there another night. And I talked to the DJ, I said, what's the deal with this lady? And he says, to, and it turns out she was a prostitute, okay? And what happened was she was servicing the crew members. She had injured her leg, however, who, how, who knows how. And they convinced <laughs> her to take a cruise. So she was working passengers and crew on that line. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, this sounds crazy until, until quite a few years later, I was on a ship and I was talking to a hotel director who had used to work on the SS France, which was right. used to the SS Nori, but the SS France. Yeah. He told me yeah. there were working prostitutes on that ship when it was a French registry. You know, Unbelievable. Nice. But, you know, some of those things continue. Okay, maybe not the prostitution ones, but who knows? Those probably still happen among the crew. I remember- Everybody's even, got their side hustle. Yeah, there's a side hustle. But I remember, yeah. like, even fairly recently, the deck and technical staff would create a cabin out of a, a locker somewhere and not tell the corporate office because if they needed an extra cabin space because they had too many people on board and they needed to birth somebody that, you know, they needed it for whatever reason, they had a spare cabin. And it wasn't until somebody did an audit of all the cabins and say, well, where are you sleeping? And they're like, oh, this cabin. They're like, that cabin doesn't exist. What? Where? <laughs> Show me the cabin. And they would follow them to the cabin that the cabin wasn't in any of the plans of the ship. So, so two of so the story I was told was that there were two is a famous infamous story where there was two gentlemen on the ship that somehow 
were involved in sort of embezzling with F&B department or something. Was and, his last name Hoffa? No, no, but, <laughs> no, but this is, this, these guys were embezzling something and they were going to, they knew they were going to be arrested when the ship got to Bermuda. And one of them jumped off into, in New York Harbor, off, oh, wow. jumped off the ship in New York Harbor and supposedly made it to shore and lived in America in, 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 you know, disappeared in America, you know, and was alive, you know. Wow. And the other one went to prison and actually in Bermuda. This is this was it was a fascinating cruise line. I mean, but the so okay, so the story is so basically what happened with me is I had these two really, really good sleight of hand acts. One of them was like a fire act, and one we had rabbits and doves. It was really two good acts and kind of like mediocre comedy magic afterwards. So I really wasn't you know, I wasn't hitting on all cylinders yet. Then I started working on a cruise line called Sitmar Cruise Line. And I was on that line, and it was a fascinating line because I was 20, and all the other entertainers were in their mid-50s or 60s, and I'd sit at the dining table. The old of them had done the Ed Sullivan Show. They would argue about who did more episodes of the Ed Sullivan Show. You go, oh, yeah, <laughs> I did three spots of the Ed Sullivan. Oh, yeah, well, I did six. You know, They would argue the whole time. So basically, I knew it wasn't right for me, the cruise lines, at that point. I was The passengers were too old. And I really wasn't, my comedy wasn't right. So basically after 85, I left for five years and I just did, I became a comedy club performer. And there's a saying in show business that one of the best things you can have is you can have someplace you can be bad, meaning a minor league, you know, someplace mm-hmm. where you can go up and perform a lot. So basically I, at that point I said, look, instead of cruise ships, I'm going to stay in Brooklyn. I'm going to work comedy clubs in New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and Pennsylvania and I was working six, seven nights a week, not making as much as I would have if I was working on a ship, but I was working every night instead of doing one show a week or one show every two weeks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I got to become a comedy performer. I was there. I was working six nights a week for five years in New York, you know, in tough. Now, when you, now, when you started doing your magician stuff, it was strictly only magician sleight of hand stuff. And then I'm, you went into comedy and then you, right. I, I, tr- I, I would, you know, still, you have to do a trick where you're talking and I just wasn't funny and I just wasn't good on the microphone. I didn't have experience. So I spent five years in basically the working comedy clubs where, it, you know, it's a, tell you, it's, a, it's a true story. So I was, I had a car, I had I bought a brand new Plymouth Voyager. It shows you how hip I am. I had the first <laughs> minivan with the 1984 Voyager. When I first got it, I remember when I bought it in Pleasant Mill, New Jersey. I was working in a Cadillac and minivans. Well, it was a classic. I pulled into a parking lot. People would walk around the car because they'd never seen a minivan. Before. <laughs> it's like, you know, how crazy is that? So I remember I, I came, to, uh, I was I was in Brooklyn and a friend of mine who told me, he's looked, you got a bunch of these agents that book comedy rooms. I sent the agent a videotape. I sent, I sent all of them videotapes, VHS tapes. You know, I'm calling them every day. Hey, did you watch the tape? Are you going to hire me? Did you watch the tape? Did you watch? Finally, one of them called. He says, look, I'm busy. I, maybe two months I'll watch the tape. Before he hangs the phone up, he goes, by the way, do you have a car? I said, yeah, I have a, I have a minivan. He goes, what are you doing on Friday? And I got hired for my show only because I had a car. Because then I can drive to Manhattan, pick up two comedians who they're New York, Manhattan people. They have no cars. And I started driving them and performing and getting paid. So because I had a car, I started working and I got good at it. And then I moved to South, South Florida in about 1989-90. And that's when I started working ships again. But by that time, I was an, an experienced you know, comedy club performer. And, and I remember like I worked, uh, there was a cruise line, um, uh, Admiral Cruise Line. 
and they had a ship called the Emerald Seas. You know, yeah. I remember they had like a lounge in the back. They had a like a, a marble floor, and it had a step, and they had a baby grand piano. And I remember we hit some crazy rough seas. We just rock, and I, and I, and we're doing because we're supposed to do welcome aboard show, and there's like literally five people in the audience. Everybody, all the passengers are sick, but there's five people in the audience. And I turned to the cruise director. I said, are we going to do the show? And he says, listen, he goes, if there's even one person in that audience, one person, we still do a show. This is professional. We, even if there's one person, we have to do a show. And then we hear this noise, this note that I've never heard in my life. They didn't latch down the baby grand piano and then it bumped and it flipped onto the dance floor upside down. Wow. So it's like, you know, like in the Beatles song, yeah, the Beatles song Day in the Life that last That's where that came from. Louder. Boom. And then and then and then he, so that we hear this noise, like, what the hell is that? We run out and we look at the curtain, and the cruise director turns to me and goes, show's canceled. So much with the so much for the five people. Oh exactly. my gosh, yes. that was so, funny. You know, you know, I'll tell you a funny story in terms of the modern era. So my name is Levent, and this is my little ship story. So I was working on the Nordic Prince for, for a whole season in Alaska. I think it's like five or six months. All the crew members would have to go off the ship and bring coins to be able to call someplace. Not that many people had cell phones. It wasn't that big a deal to have cell phones. And you didn't want to roam. You know, you're going to Canada or you're American. You didn't want... So I'm a big shot. So I decided I go to A&B Sound in, 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 in uh, Robson Street in Vancouver. And, I, and I, I go to, and I say, there's a really nice Sony cell phone. And it was, you know, X amount of Canadian dollars. And I said, maybe I should just buy a cell phone. So I go there and I say, look, I, you know, working Royal Caribbean ship. This is my address in Boca Raton, Florida. I want to buy this phone. And I'm going to give you a credit card. And, and they said, I said, can, you, can I activate it? I'm not a Canadian resident. They said, if you give us a credit card, we'll just bill you every month. I give them the credit card and I'm using this phone. And now I'm roaming on this phone. Uh, you know, we're going through Alaska. Through these, you know, we're going to places where nobody can talk. I'm on the phone. Then, I, then I, I'm there the whole season. I don't get charged. There's like not, I don't, there's no bill. <laughs> so there's nothing's coming out of the credit card. So then... Uh, I, I I move I'm now I'm back in Florida and I'm working Royal Caribbean ships out of Florida, whatever. And I get one morning, I remember this is right after that volcano in Montserrat, because we saw the volcano off in the distance. I'm on the monarch of the seas. This is a year later, a year I have not been charged on this phone. My cabin phone rings. And it's the British tell it's the what it called, but the Canadian phone company. They've tracked me down to my cabin. Okay. Now, I don't know how did they call the entertainment office on World Caribbean made the satellite call. They, they're calling me in my cabin of all places. And they say, hey, you know, you haven't paid your bill. They're like, it's been a year. And now, and now I'm thinking, you know, oh, look, crap. you got a phone. I'm using, I'm burning up this phone for a year. You think that like, wouldn't they cut you off if you, you didn't, they didn't get paid for it? That just shows you how nice the Canadians are, by the way. As a general <laughs> They're so polite, you know, instead of for a year. That's okay. A year later, and I think it was like $1,400 I had owed them after a year, and which in today's dollars is probably like $2,500. You know, this is, this is 1993 or four or something like that. And they call, and, 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 and they call, and they gave them my, my card, but I just, so anyway, they called my ass up and then I, they, and I get, they got their, whatever, $1,400, $1,500 out of me, but they, they called me to my cabin. 
That is funny. There was the same sort of instance. There was a cruise director that had a phone and same thing. Like he got a phone, he never got charged for it. And so he was like, Hey, if you guys want to call home. So, you know, the cruise staff was making, you know, all kinds of calls and stuff. And however long it went, you know, like the roaming, I guess the signal finally caught up to him and stuff. And and it was like a $2,000 phone bill or something like that. And, you know, our our next meeting that night was like, hey, remember when that, you know, and can you guys chip in for this $2,000 phone bill? Well, okay, so in 1993, I think, I, or was it 92? 92, I, we, I was doing the inaugural run of the Majesty of the Seas. Mm-hmm. And we had entertainers that did have the cell phones, the big ones like a brick. And for some reason, when we were in Coco Key, the phones worked and they never got charged. There was something amiss with the Bahamian phone company that somehow you can call to the U.S. and they ran for like a year. People were like, I mean, crew members had phones, were charging other people, you know, whatever, a dollar a minute or whatever to use the phone while it was in Coco Key, you know. Huh, that's interesting. Hey, let me back up to um, when you were working on the ships out of the out of New York. Um, do you ever have any like mafia guys come on there, like in your shows or anything? If they were, they were in their 80s back then. You know, those those days, those ships out of the air was very, very old people. You know what I mean? This it was it would not. Although when I was a kid, you know, I absolutely did did shows in in I'm talking birthday party shows for people that were obviously clearly had to be an organized crime. They had to be. And later on, I found there's this one place that used to hire me all the time. I found out it was a Gambino crime family joint. And the agent would book me. And I'm talking, I'm like 12 or 13 years old. And this is the 1977, 78. And, and I remember they would I would get $65 for the show. And the guys would always give me an extra $100 bill on top of it. As a tip. So <laughs> Nice. I, I never had a problem with those people. Those people That's always nice. So real quick, is there something that happens of why a lot of magicians start so young? Because we've had, it was another magician. I don't remember. I think it was a magician who was on here. Something like that this started super young as well. Um, and it was getting booked at under 18. What was that? Jeff Martin? Was it? Jeff yeah. Martin? I think it was Jeff. I, I think it was because he was like the magic castle, but I think he started when he was 16 or uh yeah, there's, there's something there's something weird about magic that it's kind of it, it, it excites 10 year old 11 year old boys there's a lot of people that tons of people that do magic tricks when they're 10 or 11 years old and of that there's a there's a huge number and of that there's a small portion that and sticks with it right. and continues doing it and then of that there's a smaller portion that does it as a profession as, as i have done yes it just seems like most of the magicians if you ever hear or see an interview with them that they all start really young it's not something that somebody picks up at 30 you know it's somebody that oh i've been doing magic since i was 10 like like you said yeah now, now you know i just want to bring up you both of you two of you said you were pursers and i i was telling a friend the other day a story that i was i remember i was walking on a ship and for some reason i kind of looked like a guy that was a purser on the ship i had like similar glasses and i remember i was walking through the you know passenger areas you know because i'm an entertainer who dressed regular clothes and i remember security officer stopping me he says how come you're not in uniform and i i, I said am, am i supposed to wear a top hat and tails you know cape? <laughs> and then, and then he said, oh you're the magician sorry he thought i was a purser on the ship yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm what an insult. Think. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I was on for the inaugural season. At that time, I worked the front desk um, for, for on the Majesty from 92 through maybe halfway uh, through 93. That was, I remember the inaugural cruise. There was a... Um, were you on the, were you on the inauguration when we, 
the crew, the first, the inaugural cruiser, or did you do the crossing? I didn't do the crossing. I joined in Miami. I did the cruise where the first act was Neil Sedaka. Yeah. And the closing act was Ben Vereen. Yeah. Ah, okay. Ben Vereen. Yeah. A couple of months before he had that accident, you know, he, he got hit by a car. Uh, by David Foster's car, the, the, the record producer's car hit him. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. So that was, that would be 90, 93. I, I remember you, it was weird. They, we didn't have TVs in our cabins. Do you remember that? You had to buy a TV mm-hmm. from somebody mm-hmm. and then That's you had right. to go to purses that, a crew purser and rent a little, a little shunt that you had to do to connect the TV to the cable yeah. system. Yeah, it, it was it was a little great... adapter plugs. Yeah, well, back then I remember I used to go off in Grand Cayman. There was a like this video store back around the that main square there where we were left off, and you would rent them for two dollars and fifty cents for the week, so you didn't have to return it to the following week. But these were like bootleg. A lot of them were like bootleg videotapes that it was. I mean, they were wonky after a while. That, but but you know, at least you could get a variety of different uh, movies that you could rent. Well, we had a little TV that had the uh, VHS player built into it. Yeah, that's it the was one built I had. In. Well, we had. Yeah, and you yeah. just yeah, the, we we didn't we didn't want there was no TV on the ship. You just watch videotapes. People would your land people would send you videotapes of shows that they recorded. Yeah, <laughs> we had you know, actually, you families, know we, on the, and you uh, trade them. You know, somebody would record uh, Law and Order. That was that was a very coveted uh, VHS that everybody was after. You know, I remember uh, I used to work uh, Cunard Princess and Cunard Countess. There was a pack of like three or four years where I just only worked Cunard. And uh, and, and I remember like we used to have on the Cunard Princess on the bridge was a was a was a file cabinet full of VHS tapes. And it's interesting, by the way, at two in the morning back then, there was no security on ships. You could just walk up to the bridge open it up and then you wave to the guy who's, who's steering the ship and you, you, get, you get a tape, you know? I, I'll tell you a crazy story on one of those ships and I, I, my memory's faulty. I, well, Cunard Princess is, like a, is, a, is in Greece. I saw it about three years ago, I ran across it. It's a Greek line and Cunard Countess caught fire and was salvaged or what, it just, it fell apart. But anyway, I was very fond of those ships because I, I spent like almost a year on the Cunard Countess you know, uh, things you got away with then you couldn't do. I had a cabin near the back, near the, what's the deck, the mooring deck or whatever, where they have the cables and everything. And I ran a cable from my cabin to the outside of the ship where I, I put a little TV antenna and I was able to get Caribbean TV stations. Like like an like a, like a antenna extension? Yes, I ran a coax cable and I stuck it like in these some pipes and stuff. And I and I had my own TV antenna on a ship. It's as crazy as that sounds. But, but I remember one time, I'll tell you a crazy story. There was this, we had an alarm go off. There was a kid missing on the ship. A little girl, she must have been, you know, six, seven years old. She was missing. And we went, you know, got to search the whole ship. Did the kid fall to ship we went berserk looking for this kid and everyone's searching everywhere looking for this kid can't find the kid a couple hours later the captain goes to the bridge to the bathroom the girl she was on a bridge tour and she went to the toilet and the door had a spring-loaded door she couldn't get out and she was sitting on the floor in the bathroom she was trapped in the bathroom in the bridge like the one (laughs) place no one thought why would you look for somebody in the bridge's bathroom that was like the one place no one would think yeah oh man wow (laughs) Harrowing story. Cunard yeah. Princess. I remember flying to Malaga, Spain. I was going to be there for about six months on the ship, 
And the agent said to me, the, the no, sorry, the home office said to my agent, you need to bring two 30-minute shows. So it's 60 minutes of material. I get there and I'm supposed to be there for six months. And the cruise director says, oh, no, no, you, you got to do four different shows. You got to do a, a 25, a 25, a 20, and a 30. So you got to do 100 minutes of material. And all I had with me was 60 minutes of material. And I had to go, I, and the ship was going to leave at midnight, Malaga. I got off the ship and I went to every hardware store. I got, I found some rope to do rope tricks. I found an upholstery store where they had like upholstery sponge. I got a pair of scissors to cut sponge balls. And built an act while the ship <laughs> at sea. And, and it was, then that was tough going because the majority, half the passengers were elderly British and the other half was elderly German and Spanish. So it was actually not a fun audience, really, because there's a language <laughs> issue and everything. But I, I survived it. I did my six months on that on that line. Uh, How does it work doing it a um, a show in German and a Spanish passengers? And you're do you speak German or Spanish? No, no. But it just it just it well. Then you got to try to rely upon more visual stuff. And I, I just right. went through this recently because I just got off a of ship two two weeks ago. The new CDC rules are no physical contact with the audience. You can't get anybody up on stage and you cannot go into the audience. I cannot like put a deck of cards at the edge of the stage and say, yeah. so there's no contact. Uh, I have to do two different 50 minute shows. And basically that killed about 25 minutes of material. And I spent uh, 13 and a half weeks working 12 hours a day, five days a week, putting together the material, rehearsing it doing Zoom calls at fellow magicians, getting advice from people, blah, blah, blah. And, mm -hmm. and it was successful, but it was, it was tough. It was tough going, you know? So wow. I'm, I'm curious to hear, well, a couple of things. One, what ship it was that you were just on and how did that cruise go? Like what are their like guidelines or how did it feel on board? Or, you know, well, how okay. was it? It was the Norwegian gem. I did the first cruise out of Miami. The first was this, was the first cruise was a CDC test cruise. So it was a non-revenue cruise with like 400 people that were friends and family of NCL. And so that was just a test cruise. And it was, and, and I got there and did the show and it, I did the first night, you know, and then I did a show another thing later and not, not on that cruise because there's only four, like a five day cruise. And then, uh, then the next was the revenue, full revenue cruise. Audiences were great. You know, we just had, everyone's fully vaccinated. We had to take a, uh, you know, the, the COVID test before you get on the ship and they put a wristlet on you to show that you have that. But, and I was on the passenger manifest, but, but just to play it safe, I was not allowed to get off any, any ports. Passengers were, but I had to stay on the ship, which, which is not a big deal for me, you know, which is mm. you know, perfectly okay with that. You had to have been about everywhere now. You had to have been about everywhere now. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I am. I have been everywhere. I've lost my luggage at every airport in the world. At this point. <laughs> you know, that reminds me. I, you know, I tell you, it's, it's like how the travel is a tough thing. You know, that's the hardest thing. Getting on the ship, once you can bring everything, you can relax. But I remember one time uh, in Royal Caribbean, I was on the Nordic Prince in Alaska, and I had to fly from Skagway to Juneau. Juneau to Seattle, Seattle to Chicago, Chicago to JFK, JFK to Helsinki. I'm sorry, JFK to Copenhagen, Copenhagen to Helsinki. Good Lord. And I got on a ship and I had to do a show that night. Two shows that oh, night. No. Oh, that is awful. Some of those airports like Skagway, you do not want to fly in and out of Skagway. You're on a tiny plane. It's super windy all the time in Skagway. 
that's not a fun fun airport now on 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 that one on that one that you did did your luggage show up was everything all right by some miracle it did and i remember getting on the ship and the cruise director wrote a note he says look hey buddy i cut into the camera he says so sorry but this is the only night we can put you on is tonight two shows there was like a can of Heine, two cans of Heineken, a sandwich waiting for me in my cabin. I did it. I did the tech rehearsal. I did the two shows. And honestly, it was better off because I was more exhausted the subsequent days from the jet lag. I still had the adrenaline from the travel, you know? And yeah. then once we're done with those two shows, the next 48 hours, I was like dead. I was done, you know? Oh, wow. That, yeah, that time change going to Europe is brutal. If really you don't is. sleep on the plane well, and the way that trip was chopped up, uh, you didn't get a chance to sleep on the plane, and you 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 know you then you're just up all night, and you're in Europe, and now it's it's the middle of the, the day. next day up there in Hel- you know Finland and everything in, in Copenhagen during the summer, the yeah. sun's out till like ten o'clock. Yeah, there's no night. No. Yeah, you're just you're just you're just trashed, you know. But the, that's that's the way it is, you know. And uh, let me point out that entertainers like you had it a lot worse than we did. I mean, the travel was brutal, but we were on the ship for, you know, six, you know, six months or so, but you guys were only on for usually, you know, maybe a month, maybe that, maybe that long. I've done ships where you just, you know, you come in for one day, you know, you come in, you do the show and you, uh, I did it. I did the new uh, Regent ship, the inaugural cruise. I flew to Puerto Rico, did the show, and got off the ship that night right after the show. Ship left, and I stayed in a hotel and left the next morning. You know. Have you ever done a show and, and uh, did your traveling stuff and your bags not get there? Oh, yeah, sure. Or I maybe your props and, a and few everything? Years back, a couple of years back, uh, just I did a celebrity ship, and I joined in in um in colombia bags didn't arrive uh, so but i had my carry-on bag i had basically just the t you know what my travel clothes and, the, and so i put together what i a show based on what i had in carry-on bag and i had the cruise director was really nice she got them to rent me no lent. they lent me a tuxedo or whatever i don't know where they got it <laughs> the whole thing so i basically did, did the show you know with borrowed clothes, you know, and got away with it. You know, if you're pulling whatever is out of your carry-on bag and you got to produce a show out of that. If you have to do it, you have to do it. There's no, no, no choice. Yeah. No choice in the matter. <laughs> oh my God, man. I remember you doing one of the main things that I remember you did this sleight of hand thing where pulling out cards out of stuff. You know, I remember uh, being young watching Doug Henning was my favorite. That's the guy with the long curly hair, right? Oh. Mustache. So, yeah, mustache. And uh, yeah, magic has always, you know, been really cool to me growing up and stuff. But then when you came on and you did this thing and I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's look for the cards. Let's you know, where, where's he hiding? You know, that, that's always the thing, you know, what, you know, where's the behind the scenes type of thing. But you told the video guy, zoom in all the way to my hand, zoom. Nope. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And you were this close to the camera. And there's two screens on either side of the deal. And you're like, okay, right here, pat, pat, pat. And you just started pulling cards. You baffled all of us in the sound booth. And, you know, we are watching the screens, trying to see where these cards were coming from. And it was just so amazing to see you pull cards 
decks of cards and then you go it still baffles me you know you know I, but i used to do that stuff in what they call walk around condition i've done like walk around meaning people are eating and you do math and i've done card productions of people that close so so you just modify your technique to be done in, in a close-up manner you know now let me let me ask you this being a magician for for a long long time and a lot of the stuff that you did i mean i could still i actually right before this i was looking at your youtube channel i mean your well you have some stuff on your youtube channel and then your your uh, website and it still cracks me up like seeing some of the stuff that you're doing but who impresses you do you do you like the david blaine do you like chris angel do you like that type of like who's someone who impresses you as a magician there's some names i can throw out there that you would not know and they're european magicians and it wouldn't make any sense to you but like the greatest illusionist of the 20th century in my opinion was a guy named ricciardi I worked in his show when I was 17 years old. I was his opening act. Uh, he passed away in 1985, and, and for quite a few years, I've been writing his biography. So that's not a pitch to about, about the fact that I'm writing his bio, but I'm just telling you, he was great. Uh, Copperfield is doing great, great work in 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 uh, in Vegas. Um, this this there's a lot of names that I can tell you that you just go, I don't, you know, but but there's like like, like Leonard Green is fantastic close-up magician. Uh, he's a he's a friend of mine. He's a Swedish doctor, and he's he did a TED talk about 10, 12 years ago, and he's doing incredible sleight of hand. The greatest sleight of hand stage magician of the twentieth century was a guy named Cardini. He was a magician born in Mumbai. I've Wales. seen. I think I've seen videos of him on on YouTube. Yeah, he was I, I recognize in, that one. He was born in Wales in eighteen ninety five. He died in Garden, New York, in nineteen seventy three. He still stands as the greatest sleight of hand stage magician of the twentieth century. Meaning. I used to watch videos of him when I was a kid at the Museum of Broadcasting, a recording that was recorded in 1956. He's still the best there ever was. What's really interesting is how things have changed in terms of, like, you can't do fire magic anymore. That's gone. And I remember, I used to work a cruise, another cruise line I used to work that doesn't exist anymore is called Sitmar Cruise Line. So back in 1985, I was working Sitmar Cruise Line. The first act that I did was a fire act, pretty much. And I'm on a ship and it's just, everything's on fire on stage with lighter fluid. <laughs> and I remember I did, I did this, this is the, and this is Christmas Trans Panama Cruise the end of 85. And I remember I had finished my gig. So I took the lighter fluid and I poured it down the drain because I didn't want to put it on the airplane. I remember going down the gangway and Bruce Kernrein, the head of entertainment, yelling at me from from the gangway, come back. He says, the comedian couldn't make his flight. Can you stay for another cruise? And I said, no problem, sure. And so we put everything back, but I didn't have lighter fluid. But the ship was in Acapulco overnight. I took a walk around Acapulco for 12 hours I walked. I could not find a single can of lighter fluid to buy. Okay, <laughs> But to the rest of my life, I will remember the words liquido para encendedor, which is lighter fluid in, in Spanish. Right. <laughs> so then I go to the staff captain. I said, look, I do a fire act. He goes, oh, we'll get you paint. So they gave me paint thinner. And I, so I got stuff burning on stage with paint thinner, thinner which is hotter <laughs> than lighter fluid. No no fire anymore. Those days are gone. You know, I used to have rabbits. I used to have doves in my act. I remember I had, a, I had bunny rabbits in my act. I had doves. And I remember we would put the bunny rabbits in the bathroom and I didn't want them to get into, and I had like, I had the doves, so doves had seeds, you know, from the dove, from the dove, the bird seed. And, and I put gaffer's tape over the, the drain in the bathroom so the rabbits wouldn't get to it. And I remember after a two week cruise, I took the gaffer's tape off 
And because of the dampness, all the bird seed had shooted oh. like with fl- flower. They were like grass coming out. <laughs> out of- <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. So, but you know, back then it was. I, I remember it's eighty-five. I used to pay one hundred and fifty dollars, I think, to have a U.S. Department of Agriculture inspector join the ship, yeah. inspector, which in today's dollars is probably six or seven hundred dollars. Wow. But now I heard it's more. I heard that it's like it's all close to a thousand dollars if you're an entertainer getting off ship and you need your animals inspected. Yeah, you know, I remember wow. that when we would come into port, if we had like one, you know, somebody like yourself was, we had yeah. to get an agriculture person to come um, to the the pier to approve and just check everything out to make sure the animals were all okay. And yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was it was a big deal. I remember one, I went on a Sitmore cruise on trans, we were in off just the trans panel, and one of my bunny rabbits had died, and I had to get on a satellite call, which at the time was fifteen dollars a minute. Yeah, and I had to great. talk to the, the, you know, the United States Agriculture Animal Plant and Health Inspection Station and get approval to bury the bunny rabbit at sea because the paperwork said he joined the <laughs> ship here and he's going to be there. And they gave me approval so I could wrap the bunny rabbit and bury him at sea. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. That's pretty wild. That's crazy. So, hey, a quick little note about Sitmar Cruises. So, Sitmar Cruises, this is a. Uh, uh, Cruise History 101 was purchased by PO Cruises, which was the parent company to Princess Cruises. And it was a Sitmar ship that eventually became the first Princess ship. Did now, not know that. Right. Sitmar, cool. Sitmar was an Italian cruise line, and in, yeah. they were the first cruise line to have a pizzeria on the ship. And they had these pizzerias in the back of the ship. And I remember going, I mean, it was great pizza, great little pizzas. And I remember going back there and there was this one particular pizza guy that was really, really, really good. He was excellent. And I remember this guy from Italy and I said, you know, I said, tell me, so where did you learn how to make pizza? He goes, at my cousin's pizzeria in Queens, New York. (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny enough, that has become a staple on princess ships. All the princess ships have always had pizzerias. And honestly, it's it's definitely on the better side of pizza at sea is on those princess ships. Well, hey, let me let me go back to the the ships. What, what would you say the most bizarre thing that's happened to you during a during your show? Sovereign of the Seas during the late night comedy, and a guy streaked. A naked man ran up the aisle. <laughs> Across the stage and ran out the theater. Brad, what were Brad, you doing? Sorry I, about I thought that. you were never I'm on the so song. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I apologize. But it was pretty fun. That's and funny. I said, don't look. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you a ship that was problematic. Have you ever heard of American Family Cruises? It came and went. It did. I don't think it lasted a year. So uh, they bought a ship and they decided it was going to be a chill for families. And they took this entire, sh- the, the, the main deck of the ship, and they made it like basically a children's play area, the whole length of that ship, like, oh like a Chuck E. Cheese's or something, you know? And I remember that's, that was perhaps my least favorite ship because they made, a huge, <laughs> they made a huge technical error. Did you know that children don't pay for cruises? Did you know this? They're really? cruises. Really? It's but, a certain but, age. I think no, it's I, like under 13 or something like that. No, no, the thing is the, the kids actually don't make money and buy tickets to a cruise. The parents actually pay for the kids' passage on a ship. Right. Therefore, if you build a ship, virtually not, no services for adults, 
but you make it just for the kids, the no parents money. actually are very unhappy about it. <laughs> and that's what happened with the ship. They had like, like the casino was like, 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 you know, one roulette table, one black, you know, it was so cut back, but they went all out for the kids and, and it didn't do well because it, oh, you know what else they did? They had this great big crystal ball, like bowl, big, beautiful crystal bowl. And it was full to the top with chocolate M&Ms and it had like Dixie cup dispenser. So for 24 hours a day, you can scoop up and get as much chocolate M&Ms as you want. A thousand little kids having continuous oh. access to sugar. sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so so that that was that was that was a not not a, not a pleasant uh cruise cruise experience and all i can think of is how unsanitary that is to have like even if they have cups i'm sorry their hands are well, touching all the M&Ms. chocolate stuff on the wall it's like the uh... and... oh so oh you know you asked about the masters of illusion thing before just to get a little bit pitch something so you know i i, I work on land occasionally right so uh, just so um, I'm working at a theater in La Quinta, California, which is just outside of Palm Springs. It's called Marvin's Magic Theater. I, I, I was there a year or so, whatever ago, and then the pandemic hit. And so it's opening back up uh, imminently. Uh, and I'll be there November 4th, 5th, and 6th, and November 11th, 12th, and 13th in Marvin's Magic Theater. And then from there, I'll be going to Magic Castle in Hollywood, California, November 15th to the 22nd of this year. So this is 2021. There, there's a guy who's, who's he, I think he's French and he, and he works as a street performer and he works in Key West a lot. And, and so, you know, they have that Key West when the sun sets, they have that yeah. area where the people, and he does a, like a lion taming act with house cats. So the cats jump through flaming hoop and all this stuff. It's an amazing thing to do with house cats. And so the story goes, he was kind of disrespectful to other street entertainers. Like they took, he took over their spot. They was their spot. It was something. So you know what they did to him? They took tuna fish and they rubbed it on the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, he pulls the cats out. Those cats are not interested in doing the show. <laughs> you know, which reminds me, I remember, That'd I think it was that American Family Cruises. They were, they were, di- they were divers, you know, and you know, the divers on the ship. So if people don't know, Basically, some they have like a people that well, explain what a diver is on the ship. What's the guys that do the tours for the private islands and stuff? Yeah, they they're a group of divers that have uh, well on Royal Caribbean anyway. That was you know their own private island, Coco Cay. Some of the divers would go on and tell the excursions about when we get to Coco Cay about snorkeling and scuba and all. Sure. That okay, so there was a bunch of divers, and I remember one of them was saying to me, he said, "You know where I can get." Um, a lead container. Okay. So film photography years ago, not digital, but film, analog film. If you put it in x-ray, it could sometimes fog the negative. You ruin your film. So they have these lead lined envelopes and you could put that in there and you can put it in your carry-on bag. So when it goes to the x-ray, it doesn't damage it. Right. So I yeah. remember the guy was asking me, a diver says, you know, I can get this. Yeah. And this is back, you know, 25, 30 years ago. I said, yeah, you can get it at the camera show. I go, okay, good. So he got it. And then, and I asked him like a week or two later, I said, so, so what, what, like, do you, you, are you leaving? He goes, no, no, no. What they did was they had a diver that they didn't like who was ending his contract. So what they did was they took this piece of lead, put a pair of scissors, and they cut it into a shape of a handgun. 
Okay. Oh. And, they, and his carry-on bag, they taped it to the cardboard under the carry-on bag. So it would look like a completely empty bag. But when you put it through airport x-ray, it looks like you've got a gun in there. And, <laughs> and, I, and I said, did you find out what happened? Because no, nah, we never, we, we just, we, that was like a hate <laughs> guy. And that was the gag that they pulled on him. And now we wow. need to find that guy and have him on the show. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Oh my god, that's yeah, too that funny. Crazy. Yeah. You know, that reminds you. I remember we had a guy on the Kinoid Princess. We had a DJ, crazy, crazy DJ. I I you know, he was he was a piece of work. And I remember this he got he almost got arrested in Malaga at security because there was some carnival something. He was dressed like a clown and they had an x-ray machine at the terminal. And he dove in in a clown costume in the x-ray, through the x-ray machine. <laughs> he was got his ass arrested in Spain. Oh, that's not a good idea. Well, hey, Levent, I, I think that's the end of our show. Thanks for coming on. Everybody go check out Levent at leventmagic.com. All you got to yeah. do is Google Levent Magician. And say hi to Matilda Rose. This is Matilda. Matilda, hi, Matilda, Matilda is my dog. So if you're only hearing this, I'm holding a, my dog up here to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you on Instagram or any kind of social no, media that you want people to follow? I'm Levent Magic at Instagram. That's where I'll you know put stuff up. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks again. Thanks for being on the show. Thank, Thank you so you. much. It was great yeah, to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks see you. for coming on. Appreciate it. Take thanks. care. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Well, that was good. That was really good. I I vaguely recognize him. It reminds me so much why I liked him so much, why I remember him so well above a lot of the other guest entertainers, because like I said, he would come down to the desk a lot. Of course, he doesn't remember me because I was just a lowly purser, but he would come down to the desk and he was always a ball of energy very late at night one of the few people up and he'd come down hang out at the desk we'd go to the midnight buffet do something do something here do you have anything here and it doesn't matter where he was he always had something going on he he uh, he taught me how to balance four forks on four toothpicks on a salt shaker which i could still do but he was just just a cool guy always quirky always funny always with it always 100 miles an hour Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast and video, please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member and if you have a story that you would like to tell or if you'd like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's my ship story podcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!